Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that is really already over this presidential election and it's only January. <laughs> I want to go home. I want my mom. <laughs> I'm Rewire News Group's editor-at-large, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Pikla, Rewire News Group's executive editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to ask Democrats why they are not repealing the Comstock Act already. Please do it. Come on. And the Boom Lawyered podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. All right, so our first episode of this year was all about EMTALA. You maybe remember that. That's the federal law that requires Medicare-funded hospitals to screen and provide stabilizing treatment to patients that show up in their emergency rooms. Well, we're going to be talking about EMTALA a lot this season. Maybe too much, you might say. Actually, there's never too much EMTALA. You're going to love it. Imtala. Imtala. <laughs> we have so many Imtala riffs to do, but truly you're yes. going to love it. So strap in. Why? Because weeks after the Supreme Court overturned Roe, the Biden administration issued a guidance about Imtala, which clarified that, get this, Imani, stabilizing treatment may include abortion care. What? Uh-huh. What? That is shocking news. Are you telling me, Jessica Mason Piclo, that abortion is health care? It is. Is that what you're telling me? It is. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And and that was fantastic, right? We were happy that the Biden administration did that. Yep. It was a step in the right direction when it comes to the Biden administration demonstrating that it understands how important abortion rights are, even if he won't actually say the goddamn word abortion. Just say it, Joe. Just say it, man. Yeah. All good. It's not like Beetlejuice, right? <laughs> Say abortion in the mirror three times and an abortion shows up at your house. I don't no, know what that means. No, I, no, I agree, Amani. It was such a nice change. But I have a question for you. Why, when issuing, when after issuing such a clear guidance, when the administration was faced with a clear-cut violation of Imtala, Why? Why, Imani, did it side with hospital administrators over a patient in clear medical distress and in need of an abortion? Huh? Why? Why? Talk about an unforced error. Are you talking about J.C. Statton? I am! Yes! This case okay. has okay. me right. so angry! So angry! I mean, what in the world? What in the wide world of sports <laughs> was the Biden administration... <laughs> Even thinking, I don't, I, I, I need help. I need, I need help understanding what the hell they were thinking. I have no idea. I mean, I asked you this question, right? You're turning it back on me. I have no idea. Who knows? But we're going to get into it. Who is J.C. Statton and how her case is a perfect example of everything that's wrong with relying on Imtala to enforce abortion rights. All right. So who is this lady? Staten is an Oklahoma woman who found herself sitting in a hospital parking lot waiting to get close enough to death for the hospital to perform the abortion she needed to save her life. She had been diagnosed with a partial molar pregnancy, and this is a potentially fatal condition that can cause hemorrhaging, high blood pressure, and even cancer in some cases. 
Here's what she had to say about her condition. Quote, it was the closest I've ever felt to death. That sounds terrible. But rather than provide the abortion, the hospital she was at told her to go sit in the parking lot until she was on death's door. I'm not making this up. Amani, they made her go sit in her car. Right. They wanted her to be close enough to the hospital so that when her health deteriorated, she'd be like right there. They could just like roll her into the emergency room. Right. But at the time, she wasn't deteriorating enough for them to actually take care of her when she had shown up at the ER. It's bananas. It makes no sense. They said The best we can do is tell you to go sit in the parking lot, and if anything else happens, we will be ready to help you. But we cannot touch you unless you are crashing in front of us or your blood pressure goes so high that you are fixing to have a heart attack. First of all, how Oklahoma is it to say (laughs) until you're fixing to have a heart attack? I'm not going to give you that abortion until you're fixing to have a heart attack. I was going to say. It's very plain. (laughs) Setting that aside. What the fuck, man? Honestly, I'm seriously asking. What the fuck? I mean, you were at the emergency room recently for for your hives, right? Imagine if you had gone when you're at the emergency room, if they were like, yeah, this seems bad. And here's our plan. You're going to go hang out in the parking lot until it's worse and right. then come back in and we got you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's absurd. And so rightfully so, J.C. Statton filed a complaint alleging a violation of Mtala. filed a complaint with the Biden administration alleging that her that Mtala had been violated. And according to Abortion Rights Act advocates and, you know, common sense, it seems like it should have been a clear cut case. Now, the only reason that the only valid reason that I can that I was able to find when I was researching this case, the only reason that it might not be a clear cut case is and this is a real dumb reason, mind you. (laughs) But after she was initially treated in the emergency room, she was moved to another part of the hospital. Right. So she moved from the emergency room to the inpatient part of the hospital. And therefore, that part of her. Healthcare wasn't governed by Mtala. Like that's according to according to reporting from Washington Post, Carolyn Kitchener. That's the that's one of the the tales that's being told. But that is absurd, right? Like if she was Wait, if she, she was, was in the non Mtala wing, she first showed up into the emergency room, then she should have gotten the goddamn abortion. Like why were you waiting and then sending her to another part of the hospital in the first goddamn place? Like it's it's ridiculous. And so imagine being jc statton and being told to go sit in your goddamn car until you're crashing or fixing to have a heart attack (laughs) and then you file a complaint with the biden administration and the biden administration slaps you in the face and says nah nah, you didn't actually have your Impala rights violated that's what the biden administration did yeah They, they denied that the oklahoma university medical center where she had gone and where she had sat in the hospital parking lot that denied that they had violated Impala. Right. Mm-hmm. Just denied it. It wasn't it wasn't a violation. We told you to go sit in the, in the parking lot until you were fixing to have a heart attack. And I just but that's not a violation of Mtala. I, I can't get over the idea that, you know, and this is like lawyers, man, were the worst that part of the defense is, well, she's moved from the part of the hospital that is covered by Mtala to a part of the hospital that's not like, bitch, please, really? <laughs> Yeah, that's the only response that should be in court. Yeah, bitch, please, really, which should be in the like the opposition papers that are being filed in whatever motions in court. It's ridiculous. And I mean, and so, yeah, 
go on, go on. Just like, I think we have to talk about the ways in which Biden's decision, the Biden administration's decision to deny that this was a violation throws doctors under the bus, Mm -hmm. right? Because it lends credence to the idea that doctors are willfully refusing to perform life-saving care in order to send a message to politicians in some way, right? Like these, these pregnant people are showing up in their ERs and they're denying care, not because they're actually afraid to provide care because of the legal ramifications that might have, but because they want to make a play for some sort to, to sway public opinion. And you see that in anti-choice sort of put in the anti-choice narrative, right? Like that was the immediate narrative after Roe mm-hmm. that, that, you know, oh, the treatment for an ectopic pregnancy is an abortion. Oh, they're, they're fear-mongering when they tell you that you might go to the hospital and be denied care because you're not sick enough. Doctors have to perform abortions if it's going to save your life. There's a, there is a long way between serious risk to, to health and death. Yeah. Right? You can have serious risk to your health or bodily functions without being on the verge of death. And what a lot of these statutes require is that you be fixing to have a fucking heart attack before, the th- before they will help you, right? Yeah. And so- it just shows that Biden, along with all these other politicians, seem willing to throw these doctors under the bus. And they're even not Biden. The Biden administration isn't. But in Texas, they're even encouraging patients to throw their doctors under the bus. Right. Like if you think about the Zuruwaski case, Zuraski case, where those dozen about a two dozen women are suing and their doctors are suing, begging Texas, not even saying, please overturn the law. But can you please tell us what this fucking medical exception means? Because yeah. we don't understand it. Right. And instead of saying, yeah, you know what, we should probably clarify it. They turn to these pregnant people and say, why are you bothering us with this? You should be suing your doctors for malpractice. Yep. It's frustrating. Right. And it's just I don't know. So I just feel like the Biden administration basically threw the hospital under the bus, said there was no violation. And it just plays into anti-choice messaging about, uh, you know, uncaring abortion providers who are, you know, playing with the system in order to a make a point or B, just abort all of the things. That seems to be the way that abortion providers are portrayed. And I think it's I think it's irresponsible for the Biden administration to play into that by denying a clear case of an MTALA violation, in my opinion. And I think folks need to really also understand the degrees to which hospital administration in particular is designed to be so extremely risk adverse. So that everything that the hospital does, every policy that it sets up, everything that irritates me and you about interfacing with a healthcare system exists in some way, shape, or form to try and shield hospital staff and administrators from some kind of liability in the event that they make a wrong case. And so what we're seeing in these Imtala cases is that doctors' hands legitimately are tied in every direction. Hospital administrators are saying you can't perform procedures because of um, these abortion bans, which say that we can't do it. The language around it is unclear, which is something that you're diving into um, in, you know, a piece. And we'll be talking about as we cover these cases, like, right, what is a reasonable medical judgment versus, you know, a good faith call by the doctor, all of, all of this stuff. And it's paralysis for providers. And, 
Instead mm-hmm. of coming in and providing a clear hand of guidance, in this case in particular, it seems like the Biden administration has really further muddied the waters, which I mean, then I think it's safe to ask whether or not the administration is taking this seriously at all. Right. Like out of the gates, it seemed like they'd be embracing Imtala as a response to Dobbs in banned states to at least make sure that there was a baseline of care in emergency emergency situations. And I mean, they certainly made a big stink about it in Idaho. We talked about that on the podcast too, right? The Department of Justice had filed to, uh, a lawsuit to block Idaho from enforcing its total abortion ban in a way that conflicts with Imtala's requirement for stabilizing treatment care, including abortion. But here we are with the administration only publicly announcing one Imtala violation case, and that involved a patient in Missouri and Kansas. I mean, I got to think there are more, and we just haven't heard about them, right? And this is the case, even though there are so many cases denying medical care to abortion due to abortion bans, like how many stories are we hearing about this woman and that woman and this patient and that patient showing up and almost in sepsis or in mid miscarriage and being turned away? Like it, it just it it boggles the mind that in in all of those narratives, we've got one violation. I don't believe it. It's it's absurd. And it seems to me that if, you know, if the Biden administration is going to take this seriously, then it needs to not feel like it has to roll over and try to play nice with anti-choicers or to make them feel better about whatever he's deciding to do with respect to Imtala, because there's nothing that he can do right. that will make them feel better. Right. I mean, he's facing challenges from right wingers with arguments that Mtala does not cover abortion, mm-hmm. right? It just doesn't cover abortion because abortion isn't healthcare. And so why would it cover something? You're not going to cover everything separately, right? You cover healthcare, right? Abortions, healthcare, bing, bang, boom, that's it. But they're also arguing that, that their state abortion ban, some of which are so strict that they, that they literally, you can't provide an abortion until you're fixing to have a heart attack. They're arguing that these exceptions are sufficient enough in life-threatening cases. And they're just not. We're seeing that they're not. And so I don't think it's necessary for Biden to help them with their argument by saying something like forcing a pregnant person to sit in her car in a parking lot so that they can get an abortion maybe an hour later than they otherwise would have. Like that cannot be what healthcare policy is. Right. He needs to back doctors. Yes. He needs to step up and back doctors. And he also needs to if not call out this insidious scheme among anti-choicers to drive a wedge between patients and their doctors, at a minimum, not feed into it, right? right. Because the, the overwhelming narrative is that abortion providers aren't even really doctors, right? They're abortionists, right? And that's what they do. They, they're abortionists and they're different from the rest of the doctors. And the, oh, the other doctors have their patients' best interests at heart, but not abortionists. And that's obviously not true. And so- it's frustrating to think that even if inadvertently Biden is playing into that by not taking these Mtala violations as seriously as he should be. Yeah, it is. And I mean, we're in a crisis, right? We're in a yeah. crisis. Step we're in it a up, crisis man. and who we're going to blame for it, Jess. I want to know who we're going to blame. So we got to blame somebody for it. And I don't necessarily think we need to blame the Biden administration for it. I think his response has been not that, not the best in all respects to yes. put it mildly, but who can we blame for this shit? Well, we're not going to blame doctors, right? Like what we're not going to do <laughs> is blame doctors. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you know, it's easy to blame doctors and healthcare providers in situations where there's a denial of care. But part of the problem in a post-Dobbs landscape is that states have not been clear at all about when a life-saving abortion is permissible. And that's on purpose, right? Part of this is absolutely designed to be a campaign of fear and intimidation to chill providers from doing their job. And it's succeeding. That's what we're seeing in cases like Oklahoma. Doctors want to be able to do what they need to do to provide care for patients, but they don't want to do so if it's going to cost them 99 years in prison, a felony offense, a $100,000 plus criminal fine. I mean, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about blaming doctors, prosecuting doctors. You know, Texas wants to put them away for life if they provide a life-saving abortion to a patient. That is, that's, you know, a choice that no provider should be in. So, you know, I mean, we're so we're not doing that. We can blame the state yeah. lawmakers that have passed these yeah. mad lib bills drafted by lobbying groups like Americans United for Life, right? Like these, the quote unquote heartbeat bans that are at the center of these Mtala cases, right? Those legislatures, don't, those folks don't have any idea what they're enacting. They're just like, yeah, sure. Sounds fucking good to me, right? Like they're putting on their white lab coats and cosplaying as doctors and, you know, bringing in some, you know, some of their um, buddies and false witnesses to like put forward myths around this and relying on junk science. So, you know, it's and and then meanwhile saying that like actual abortion providers don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. So I, I think we blame the lawmakers. Yeah, I think we definitely blame the lawmakers. And it's not even like particularly in Texas, it's not like they rush through an ill-formed piece of legislation and then decide, oh, you know, we really ought to go back and fix this so yeah. that people can comply with it. It's it's they don't want doctors to be able to comply with it. Exactly. Right. This is purposeful in Idaho, for example, like doctors in Idaho are in a little better of a spot because in Idaho, there was an Idaho Supreme court case where the court said that if a doctor provides a good faith, uh, an abortion in good faith to save a pregnant woman's life, then that automatically falls within this, the statutory exception. Right. So in Idaho, a doctor, a doctor, a physician, emergency room doctor can be sure that if they provide they good faith, believe this person needs an abortion, they provide an abortion. The Supreme Court of, the, of Idaho has already said you're good when it comes to the statute. Texas refuses to do that. <laughs> like they're they're actively they're actively trying not to do that. Yep. All they're being asked to do is clarify this medical exception that is written not using the scientific terminology that doctors use when they're providing care, right? It's right. just, it's like, it's almost as if, you know, the law says, just pour some tussin on it, right? <laughs> and the doctors are like, we don't know what pour the fuck that means. Tussin pour some tussin on what, right? Does NyQuil work? Is, well, can I pour some NyQuil on it? Like, what are you talking about? That's kind of what it, what it what what it's like, right? These doctors right. know what to do. And so, you know, in Texas, these women are suing and J.C. Statton is actually named in the complaint as evidence that the, what's going on with women and pregnant people in Texas is not exclusive to Texas. I mean, if you read the Zaraski complaint, it is probably 150 pages of names of women and other people who have had complicated pregnancies and who want abortions and who were denied abortions. I mean, this is a widespread problem. And... Texas is like, I don't know. Sorry, man. 
figure it out. Then Texas Supreme Court is like, I don't know, you figure it out too. Nobody wants to tell these doctors what they what they can and cannot do. And that's right. on purpose. Right. And like I said, the doctors are terrified, right? Doctors, hospital administrators, and their lawyers are forced to parse through statutes written using medical jargon that has no real life connection to the way these folks practice medicine so that they can make these decisions about individual patients' need for an abortion. It's time-consuming clusterfuck. And meanwhile, the clock is ticking because this person is getting sicker and sicker. And it's not like on the other side of it, there's even good faith. Like take the Kate Cox uh, story, for example, the immediate response from the anti-choice community around Kate Cox is, well, she was having an elective abortion as though that was not a medical emergency. And as though elective abortion doesn't just mean scheduled, like literally scheduled, not emergency, like she's coding, open up a table right now, but elective means scheduled. And so what do they do? They twist that like completely normal medical parlance into something that is supposed to be like, well, you know, those lying bitches will do whatever they can to get an abortion. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, doctors are right to be terrified. Like I have seen some rumblings, even among abortion advocates, about how doctors need to step up and break the law and disrupt and whatever. And that that hey, works man. for some people in terms of activism. That doesn't work when it comes to like medicine, yeah. right? Like you can't expect doctors to disrupt the status quo when they've got a panoply of patients who all need their help. If you're an yeah. OB-GYN, how is going to jail because you performed one dodgy abortion and do- dodgy by meaning dodgy under the, uh, the way that Texas would look at it and then ignore the rest of your patients who may need abortions, may need pregnancy care, whatever. Like we can't expect doctors to take that hit. I don't, I don't think. No. I don't know. They have their like, own families one wrong too. Decision. They have families. They're people- one wrong decision. One, one new, if one decision that maybe could have gone another way, yeah. right? You get a, a quote unquote pro-life doctor to come to your trial and say, well, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. And then what do you have? It's up to a jury to decide whether or not an abortion was necessary in a crisis. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. No. So I don't know. It's a lose-lose situation. I do have some statistics though. Oh, okay. There's a, the Kaiser Family Foundation did a study of OBGYNs and the results of that study demonstrate that In states that have abortion bans, not only are OBGYNs not performing abortions themselves, Mm -hmm. but 30% of them aren't even offering their patients referrals to other clinics or any information about abortion out of fear of being labeled an aider or an abetter, right? So, and like, who's going to, who, like I said, who's going to be the one that decides whether or not you should have given the abortion? These quote unquote pro-life doctors, they're, they're, there's just entire like the, what is it called? The American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. They actually have seminars yeah. that teach doctors, quote unquote, pro-life doctors to be expert witnesses. They train them so that they can go into court and dispute what another emergency doctor did in a crisis. And then all of a sudden, it's not reasonable that you perform that abortion and you're in jail. We can't ask doctors to take on that level of risk, I don't think. God, imagine being uh, that level of pick me. Right. Right. <laughs> like, I just don't get just, it. I don't. Yeah, it's terrible. And they're liars, too. Yeah. Right? They're liars. They, they are. lie and lie and lie about complications and science and everything just because 
They want, they need their junk science to rue the day because if courts accept their junk science, then what are we going to do about it? How do you counter when the Supreme Court has already wholesale accepted junk science into their jurisprudence, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. This is Tony Kennedy's fault. We're still another thing to be mad at Anthony Kennedy about. But truly, we have Anthony Kennedy to thank for the court's willingness to accept rather than interrogate junk science. And not just in abortion cases generally, but absolutely, definitely in abortion cases. And first from the states and now maybe from this term from the courts themselves, depending on how those agency law cases that we're not going to talk about, but we'll have to talk about eventually go. And what am, I, what am I talking about right now? Gonzalez versus Carhartt. That was the case back in 2007 that upheld the Federal Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act. What a disaster that was. We've talked about it so much on this podcast. But it really it created the legacy of both sidesing of science and laying mm-hmm. the groundwork for this like undermining or like conspiracy theory around government experts. Because what it does is empower local electeds to just pick a side when it comes to the science that they believe in most. <laughs> right. Like, I know that you studied a globe, but you kind of like the disc. So maybe the earth is flat. I don't know. Just pick a right. side. Right. And it incentivizes bad faith actors to flood the zone with nonsense, the kind of stuff, junk science that you're talking about. And we can go directly from Gonzalez v. Carhartt and that legacy to this FDA challenge uh, on Mifepristone, for example, right? If you, it is just based in junk science and nonsense. And that's Anthony Kennedy's legacy in Gonzalez. Thanks, Anthony. We're still angry with you. Right. Still. So I don't know. I, I just I, I really just feel like, you know, for years I actually do you know that I own the website www.abortionishealthcaremotherfuckers.com. I, <laughs> I had no website. idea, but what a prescient purchase. <laughs> right. And I need I feel like maybe I need to do something with that now because more and more the narrative seems to be that Abortion isn't healthcare. It is. I mean, that's what we're seeing in these Imtala fights, right? Like it's the coming together of decades of attacks on science and government agencies, like hand in hand, and this campaign by the anti-choice movement to carve abortion out of healthcare generally, right? They say it in these cases. You can never deliver abortion as an emergency as part of emergency medicine because abortion is not medicine. Right. And that's ridiculous. But that's that's where we are now. And that's why we have women like J.C. Satin, J.C. Satin being told to go sit in a parking lot until she's fixing to have a heart attack. <laughs> fixing to have a heart attack. I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to have a drink. I'll tell you what, because <laughs> this it, is just too much. It's too. Why? Why? Why two abortion cases in one term? Jess, why are they doing this to us? I think because the universe knows that we are turning 50 this year. And instead of our plans for jumpsuits and caftans and (laughs) spritzes in the mountainside, we're going to be talking about Mifepristone and Mtala. 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 All right. If you want to sing old 80s songs, Mtala. Lord help us. Yeah, we're going to sign off now. If you'd like to talk to us about Imtala or anything, Mifepristone or 
I don't know, Janet Jackson going on tour this year. Oh. Talk to us about that. You can find me on X, Angry Black Lady. You can find Jess on X, Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. You can find Rewire News Group on X, on Instagram, on TikTok. We've got our, I'm still going to shout out Christian, our TikTok guru. They're amazing. Their TikToks are amazing. I love them. Um, Instagram. Did I say Instagram? All of the things, all of the platforms, you know where to go. What are we going to do, Jess? Uh, see you on the tubes, folks. See you on the tubes, folks. 